prior to planning the church, I worked with kids full-time and, and love working with kids. And uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, uh, there was a teacher talking to some kids about um, uh, Easter. And the teacher asked the kids, hey, I want you to raise your hand and tell me what you know about Easter. And one of the little kids raised her hand and says, I, I know Easter's about Jesus. And the teacher's like, that's good, that's good, you know. And, and anybody else, can someone add to that? Another little kid raised his hand. I, I know Easter is because um, uh, uh, he rode the donkey into Jerusalem and they put the palm branches down to welcome Jesus in Jerusalem. I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good. And anybody else? And another little kid raised her hand and he says, oh, I know, I know. Um, Jesus got in trouble. And then he was, he was, he was arrested and he got, he got beat up and they, 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 they put him on a cross. The teacher's like, okay, good. We're getting somewhere. And the teacher says, anybody else have something to add? Another little kid Puts his hand up and says, well, well, he died on the cross and, and they put him in this tomb and they put this big rock in front of the tomb to seal the tomb. The teacher's like, we're close. We're close. Anybody else tell me about Easter? And find this little kid in the back who's kind of been quiet, you know, he kind of sheepishly pushes his hand up and he says, okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And the little, the little boy says, well, uh, they, they put the rock in front of the tomb, and the tomb rolled away, and Jesus came out, and he saw his shadow, and there's six more weeks of winter. And uh, I'm glad that we are here today not to celebrate six more weeks of winter, but to celebrate the fact that that tomb w- w- had a Savior, had Jesus in it, and now that tomb is empty. And that is why we are here today. Uh, this is a... Uh, holiday that we have a celebration. It's a holiday that we want to observe and have a celebration for because it's a resurrection. And that is something awesome. So um, just as I, I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 10. If you have a Bible, um, just open up to Romans chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll have the verses up on the screen behind me. It's not a big deal. Uh, Follow along. If you have a phone, you can pull your phone out. If you brought your laptop, you can do your laptop if you want it as well. uh, Romans chapter 10, as you're turning there, I think when we think about Easter, I think we think about what this holiday is. It is a celebration because of the fact that this is a truth and a reality of who Jesus is. That Jesus came to this earth as, as God in the flesh, Emmanuel. And Jesus lived the life that you and I couldn't live. Like we can't be good enough, but Jesus was. And then Jesus, even though he knew no sin, even though he never experienced sin, He died the death that you and I deserve because we have. And he died for a very specific reason. He died so that we could become uh, the righteousness of God through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He died so that you and I, that we could be holy and blameless before God. That we could experience freedom before God, freedom from sin. When he died so that when God looks down at us, when God looks at you and I, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of Jesus. This is why we celebrate the, the, the resurrection. We celebrate Easter. But the question I have to ask is, is, is you know, we're going to celebrate well today. We're going to have a hoopla. We're going to sing some great songs. We're going to do some fun things today. But do we understand what the resurrection means to us? Because sometimes we understand, well, because Jesus rose from the grave, but what does it actually mean for us? And we kind of looked at this last week, and a little bit of review if you were here last week. Uh, The resurrection has two different meanings for us today. The first one, the resurrection means that you and I can be made right before God. This is a whole idea that, that because of our sin, because of our sin, we are separated from God. We can't be good enough to earn God's favor. But because of Jesus going to the cross, 
He paid that penalty for our sin. He paid uh, the the penalty that had to be made uh, of a sacrifice. And the resurrection three days later, the resurrection is kind of the confirmation that God accepted the payment. This is the resurrection is kind of Jesus saying, hey, payment made in full. You are now forgiven if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. This is what the resurrection means to us, that we can become sons and daughters of God. Not because we're good, but because of what Jesus did for us. Secondly, second thing that the resurrection means is it means, man, if, if, if God can raise Jesus from the grave, then certainly can't we imagine that God can work in our lives? I mean, if we understand that God has a power to raise Jesus from the grave, then certainly God has a power to work in our lives. We can begin to think about all the things, all the weights that we carry, all the burdens we have. You know, we've got, we've got addiction issues. We've got financial problems. We've got, you know, our jobs that we're trying to figure out. We've got, we've got kids that we're trying to raise. We've got all these things going on in our world. And sometimes it gets to the point that we're just at the end of our rope and saying, I don't know what to do. But man, I don't know about you, but I find encouragement that certainly if God can raise Jesus from the grave, certainly God can show up and do something in my life. Certainly God can come and bring change and bring a miracle and do something in my life to change my circumstance. And that is good news. And that is why we are here to celebrate. But the question I've been wrestling with this Easter is we're dealing with this idea of the celebration and Jesus raising from the grave and we're going to have a party. But the question I wonder is, in light of the resurrection and of all that Jesus did, like is a celebration enough? Like, is a party really enough when we understand all that Jesus did for us? I mean, if Jesus really died, and he didn't stay dead like all of us are going to, but he walked right out of the grave, doesn't that require a little bit more than just us throwing him a party? No matter how good the party is, no matter how good the music is, you got to have this idea that it deserves a little bit more than just a celebration. If Jesus rose from the grave like nobody else has done, it requires some sort of proper response. And that's why we say, look at Romans chapter 10, because God gives us what that response is. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, if we understand what that's talking about, the resurrection is not just something to be celebrated. The resurrection is not just a doctrine for us to believe in. It's not just putting our hands up and say, I like Jesus, not Satan. I like heaven, not hell. It's much more than that. The resurrection is a reality that is to be lived out with both our mouths and in our hearts. The resurrection, did you hear that? The resurrection is a reality to be lived out and displayed in both our, our mouths as well as in our hearts. This is critical for us to understand that, that, that we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we have to believe in our heart that, that, that he rose from the grave. These things are connected. You can't necessarily have one without the other. You can't say, well, I, I kind of believe, but I don't confess. You can't say, well, I'm one of those people who confesses that Jesus is Lord, but I don't really believe it. You can't have one without the other. For us to be uh, true believers in Jesus, we have to have both. 
We have to have this confession with our mouth and this belief in our heart. It has to be the reality displayed through our life. Because what we're going to find is it's possible for us to only have one and not the other. It's possible for us to, to, to claim that we love Jesus, to claim it, but not to believe it in our heart, to live it out in our life, and still miss out on the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. See, in, in Matthew chapter 27, you can turn there if you'd like. In Matthew chapter 27, there's some guys who, who, who believed in the resurrection. In fact, they did more than just believe it. They saw the resurrection with their very eyes. They, 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 they believed in the resurrection, but because of fear of what they would lose, because of fear of how it would affect them, they refused to actually confess and, and live this reality out in their life. And because they refused to confess it and live that reality out, these guys missed out on salvation through Jesus Christ. Story goes, Matthew chapter 27, Jesus has died. Uh, and there's a guy, there's a disciple by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And he, he says, hey, let me take Jesus' body. I've got this tomb that I just bought for myself. It's new. I'd like to place Jesus in this tomb. And so, so the, the, he does that. In verse 62 of Matthew chapter 27, it says, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. And here, here's what I want you to hear. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So the soldiers went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. See, what's scary to me and you hear this, you hear about these religious people. It is possible for you and I to be religious, but to not be a Christian. It's possible for us to, to have all this religious talk in our life and, and, and have religious symbols in our life, but to not truly be a Christian. Here you have these religious leaders who, who they had all the talk, but they didn't love Jesus. In fact, they hated Jesus. And you, you, you get these pictures that these guys, they hated Jesus. But they still knew that Jesus had predicted the resurrection. They said, there's no way we're going to let Jesus actually raise from the grave. So these religious leaders, they go to Pilate, who's the guy in the charge, and they say, hey, we don't want the disciples to, to fake the resurrection. So, so Pilate, here's what we want you to do. We want you to send a guard of soldiers to guard the tomb so that way no one can get in and steal the tomb. And so Pilate says, go for it. So you've got these soldiers guarding the tomb. And in chapter 28, in verse 1, Matthew 28, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and another Mary went to see the tomb. Okay, so here we go. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know who you seek, Jesus Christ who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. See, put yourself on the, in, the, in the shoes of those guards. Yeah, those guards are given a very weird job. Go stand guard in front of this tomb of this dead guy. Can you imagine like them just wondering, like, what the heck are we doing here? 
Like, like there's a lot better things we could be doing with our time, but we got to come and stand guard over this dead guy. Like, like how uncool is that? And they're standing guard, and all of a sudden, it says there was a major earthquake. And not only that, there's this earthquake. This huge stone was rolled away. And they, they look on the stone, and they see an angel sitting atop that, that stone. And the angel had the appearance of lightning sitting on it. And if that isn't bad enough, you've got the earthquake, you've got the stone rolling away, you've got the angel. If that's not bad enough, these soldiers look inside the tomb where Jesus used to lay, and Jesus is gone. The text says these guys were, were, were like ghosts. I would have been like a little baby needing a change of pants because I would have crapped all over myself because, like, this is not normal. This is, this is, whoa, do you understand what's happening? These guys are guarding the tomb. All this stuff happens, and this Jesus who they were guarding is no longer there. He's just gone. And it happened right before their eyes. If anybody should have believed in the resurrection, if anybody should have believed what they just saw, it would have been these guards. And we would anticipate, like if, 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 if we were those guards, like we would go and tell everybody all about it. We'd be pulling out our phones, filling Twitter and Instagram. You've got to hear what just happened. This Jesus was dead and now he's alive. Like this is what we would do. But here's what happens. Verse 11 it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. They said, this is what happened. And they, when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the guards took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. See, to me, that's got to be one of the saddest stories in the entire Bible. You've got these men who, who not only believed in the resurrection, who saw the resurrection with their own eyes, who saw everything happen before them, but because they were afraid of what they would lose, because they were afraid of how it would affect their life. They made a decision, we aren't going to confess. We aren't going to allow this resurrection, this Jesus, to be a reality in our life. So sure, they can believe it, but they weren't willing to display it in their life and confess it with their mouth. And because they were afraid of doing that, they missed out on salvation in Jesus Christ. And I just have to just ask this question. Like for us in here today, what is stopping us from living out the truth of who Jesus is? What is stopping you from living out the reality of the resurrection in your life? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid to commit your life to Jesus? What's stopping you? So there's all sorts of reasons that we can come up with. Well, well you know, I don't want this to affect my job. I don't want this to affect my, my, my recreational time. I don't want this to affect this or that. I've had these hardships in life, and I'm just not sure that I can really trust this. Listen, when I became a Christian, there was a little bit of a cost to me. There was a little bit of fear in my, in my becoming a Christian. Because I knew that when I became a Christian, I knew that there would be people close to me who would cut me off. Because I had walked away from, from what they thought was the truth. So when I became a Christian 16 years ago, man, I had family members cut me off. 
I had friends that I grew up with that were my best friends that would no longer answer phone calls from me and acted as if I was dead. I had mentors, men who became like father figures to me who just said, no, we're done with you. There's no more relationship with you. Listen, there's a fear sometimes for us to live this out. But I can promise you, the gain is far worth it. The gain is far worth it. In fact, this is what, this is what Mark, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. He said, for, for whoever would save his life, whoever's going to hold on to these things because they're afraid to lose it, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. And here we've got this picture of these guards who they refuse to confess with their mouth. They refuse to, to live this out in their life. And they missed out on what God had for them. But right after the story of the guards missing out, right after the story of the guards being afraid to, to live this out, to, to believe in their heart and to confess with their mouth, you have a different story. As some guys that were a little more willing to do what God had called them to do. Immediately following the story uh, of the guards in Matthew chapter 28, you see a very resurrected Jesus. And Jesus goes to his disciples and he looks at his disciples and he says this. He says, you disciples, okay, all that you have seen, all that you've heard, the, this resurrection, this resurrected Savior before you, you've seen me. All these things that I've taught you, what I want you to do is I want you to take these things to all the nations, I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, I don't want you to stay here and hold this in for yourself. I want you to grow, to go and allow this to be displayed through your life. I want you to tell everybody you can about the resurrected Savior, about what you've seen and what you've heard. And these guys went to the four corners of the earth, telling the story of the resurrected Jesus. We are here today because they made that decision so many years ago to go and proclaim the truth of the resurrection. Listen, I just think about these disciples. Like if, if Jesus didn't really come out of the grave, like if Jesus didn't, wouldn't these disciples just have gone back home? Like isn't that, I mean, if Jesus didn't come out of the grave, like isn't that the anticipated response? Like, you wouldn't leave everything behind. You wouldn't leave your, your, your family, your, your friends, your career, your city. You wouldn't leave everything behind and go to the nations for a guy who claimed he was going to raise from the grave but never did. You don't do that. In fact, Acts chapter 5, there's a story of these disciples after the resurrection. Uh, they, they had gone around and they were proclaiming the truth of the resurrection to everybody who would listen. They said, we want to tell you about Jesus and how he came back from the grave. He's alive today. And so they're proclaiming everywhere. And remember those religious people who hated Jesus, who paid off the soldiers? Well, they're still around and they still don't like Jesus. And so they arrested the disciples and they tell these disciples, they tell these disciples, listen, you better stop proclaiming Jesus being resurrected. You better stop preaching about Jesus or we're going to beat the tar out of you. So Acts chapter 5, verse 40, says these religious leaders called in the apostles and they beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. But the disciples left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor 
for Jesus' name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is a risen Savior. See, if, if Jesus didn't really raise from the grave, and he didn't really walk out of that grave, these guys wouldn't have gone and, and, and been tortured. They wouldn't go and, and get beat up. And continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. That just would not happen. It's not enough that these guys were just beat and tortured. In fact, church history says that 11 out of 12 of Jesus' disciples, his best friends, were crucified. They were martyred. They had, they had violent deaths because they would not stop proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. One of the disciples by the name of Andrew, he was going to be crucified. And as they're walking him to the place of the cross where they're going to crucify him, he kept pointing up at the, at the cross. And the guards kept slapping his hands down and said, What are you doing? Don't you know you're about to die? Why are you happy? Why are you pointing to the cross? And his response was, Of course I know I'm about to die. He said, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life because I'm about to see the resurrected Savior once again. Listen, you don't do that for a guy who lied about getting resurrected. You don't joyfully go and give your life for a guy who claimed to walk out of the grave but never really did it. Peter, another one of the apostles, he was going to die the same way, to be put on a cross. But before he got put on a cross, he said, you know, hold on. I'm not worthy of, of suffering and dying the way that Jesus did. Of being crucified like Jesus. So why don't you turn me upside down? And why don't you nail me to the cross upside down? Because I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Listen, you don't do that for a guy who claimed to raise from the grave but never really did. You don't give your life to something like this. See, and this is where I think this has got to be one of the greatest proofs that the resurrection is real. It's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Of Jesus telling these 12 disciples, here, listen, what you've seen and what you've heard, go to the nations and proclaim who I am and what I've done. Because 2,000 years later, there are millions of Christians today celebrating Easter, celebrating the risen Savior because those disciples decided, because they were willing to be tortured, because they were willing to die for what they saw, because of what it means for our lives. That we can be made right with God. And that we can understand the power of God in our lives. Listen, you don't die for that if it's not true. These guys gave their life so that we might know the power of the resurrection. That it is real and that it is true. So we go from them and we come now to us. And light of the truth of the resurrection. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is alive today. In light of that truth, how are you and I going to respond? Again, the resurrection, this is not just something for us to celebrate. It's not just a a, a doctrine that we're supposed to believe in. It's a reality that is to be lived out and displayed with both our mouths and within our hearts. And we've just seen two very specific responses to the evidence of the resurrection. You've got one group of men, the guards... Who they, 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 they saw it. They believed it. They saw it with their own eyes, but they were unwilling to confess because they were afraid of what they would lose. 
And you've got the second group of people, the disciples. Men who are willing to lose it all so they could confess and proclaim the truth that Jesus had died and he rose from the grave. Listen, when we look at these two groups of, of men, which picture better represents your faith? Which picture better represents you? And there's a little bit of a tension in those choices. A little bit of a tension, tension of trying to figure out where am I at? Because it's the difference between simply believing in something and actually giving your life away for something, for allowing something to do, be displayed through your life. And this is where we come back to what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 8. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever will loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. See, the response to the resurrection that we're looking for is that we have to be willing to give up what we cannot keep. We have to be willing to give up our life. We can't keep it. We're all going to die. If you don't know that, it's going to happen. We have to be willing to give up what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose, which is eternal life. And this is the truth of the resurrection. And this is the response that we would be willing to give up what we cannot keep, to gain what we cannot lose. And I began to think, okay, how can I close this? And, and I thought, well, maybe I could tell another story, another inspirational story from the Bible about some great person who, who did this, who lived this out. And then I got an email from a friend of mine. Some of you uh, know Dr. Moultre, Ryan Moultre. He's a, he's a doctor from Yakima. Um, uh, doctor, great guy. He's got a beautiful family, a wife and three kids. And um, Dr. Moultrie is a guy that many of you have had the chance to meet. Some of you haven't. He came and visited us last fall. But Dr. Moultrie has everything going for him. He's a doctor. He's in his prime season. He's going to, a good practice. He's going to be able to make money. He's going to be able to have an impact on the community. He's got this, this beautiful family. He's got all these things going for him. Okay? And one and a half years ago, Dr. Moultrie decided something. He decided, you know what? It's time. And he picks up his family and moves them to Honduras. And they're in Honduras and they're working in this very poor hospital with these very poor people who can't pay for medical services. But he's there, he's loving on these people. His wife, his kids, they're teaching in, in, in this school, trying to teach other kids English and trying to share the love of Jesus with them. Say, well, well, Dr. Moultrie, why would you do this? He said, because the resurrection is real and I want as many people to know about it as possible. Here's a guy that's got all this potential for all these great things and the American dream. And now he lives waiting for us to send him a check every month so he can provide the basic needs for his family. Like, who would do that? Like, who would do that? Why would somebody walk away from all the, the potential they have here? Why would they walk away from this for that? To be dependent on you and I sending our check in to support him so he can provide those basic needs. Because listen, if the resurrection is not true, if the resurrection never really happened, he's a fool. He'd be someone that we can pity above all men. That's something that the apostle uh, Paul says. That if the resurrection is not true, then we as Christians should be pitied above everybody else. 
But listen, for Dr. Moultrie, if Jesus really did raise from the grave, if he walked out of that tomb that day, man, that is a picture of his family giving up what they cannot keep in order to gain what they cannot lose. To say, we have this message, this truth. Lives will be changed because of it. Because of the power of God. And we're not going to keep this little bit of our life because we're going to gain so much more. So listen, how are you going to respond today to the truth and the reality of the resurrection? Not all of us are going to be called to be a missionary and go to another country. But I believe based on Romans chapter 10 that all Christians should have the same heart, the same desire, and the same prayer. That we would believe in the resurrection. That that God's power would be confessed in both our mouth and within our life. And it would be displayed. Today we have the opportunity of seeing three people get baptized. Three people are going to come and say, I want my faith to be public. They're saying, they're saying, we know who Jesus is. We believe in the truth of the resurrection. We believe in Christianity. And it's not just something I want to believe. It's not something I just say I believe. But I want to have this be a reality lived out in my life. So I'm going to come before you today to say, I've placed my faith in Jesus. I believe the resurrection is real. And I've come here today to be baptized before all of you. So you know the truth of the resurrection. And that is exciting. And that is what the resurrection does. At this point, the question for you is, how are you going to respond to the truth of the resurrection? Can we pray? God, I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the reality of the resurrection. God, especially for this opportunity just to be able to, to celebrate it. God, I pray for all of us in here today, God, that you would help to move us beyond just belief. Help us to move beyond just confession. That God, you'd help us to understand that the resurrection is not just some doctrine to be believed, but is it a reality that we are to live out and display with both our life and with our mouth. That God, we will allow this truth to permeate our life, to change us, to change who we are. Listen, today of all days, need to be reminded of the impact of the resurrection, of what it means for you and I. That God raised Jesus from the grave. And if God can raise Jesus from the grave, then certainly God can work in our life. And I just wonder right now as we're praying, how many of you would say, man, I could use God's power in my life. I could use God's power right here today. I've got this, I've got this area of life I've got this this hardship. I've got this struggle. I've got this burden. I've got this thing. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through this. Relationship struggle, a financial burden, a health issue. I wonder right now as we're praying, how many of you would just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to experience that power of God in my life. I need to have God do a work in my life and bring change. God, I, I see those hands. God, I pray for those with their hands up right now that, God, you would meet them where they are. That, God, that the power of the resurrection would be lived out in their life. That, God, you would do a work and you would meet them exactly where they are. God, you know what the need is. 
God, I pray that you would speak into the life, that you'd bring change, that you'd bring victory. And there'd be a confidence in who you are and what you have done. God, as we continue praying, we think about this uh, opportunity to thank God for the second impact of the resurrection. That we have the right to be made right with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Each of us, we are, are broken. We're bent towards sin. We're bent towards rebellion. And it doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how many times we go to church. It doesn't matter if we consider ourselves to be a good person. We cannot do enough to earn God's approval. But Jesus' death on the cross, his sacrifice was for our sin, to pay our debt. And that resurrection three days later is proof that the cross was sufficient, that sacrifice has been made, and that we can be made right with God. Listen, I invite you today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I invite you today to play by faith, trust Jesus to make you right. Trust Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to make you right before God. Trust him as your savior and as your salvation. Listen, if this is you, if this is your prayer today, I invite you, just just pray this prayer with me. Say, God, God, today I receive the offer of love, the offer of salvation that you've given to me today. God, I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Jesus walked out of the grave. And I know that, God, that means that you are Lord and that you are in charge. And God, I submit myself to you. I want to experience today your grace and your peace. So God, now would you come into my life? Listen, for those of you that prayed that prayer with me today, Listen, your sins are all gone from the eyes of God. Today, you are a new creation. You are made right before God. Listen, if that was your prayer today, would you just lift your hand up? Lift your hand up and let me see your eyes. And look right at me, saying yes to Jesus. See, today you've become a new creation. The Bible says this is how you become a child of God, is by placing your faith in Jesus. You are not the same person you walked in here today. You are new creation as of now. God, I thank you. I celebrate you for new life today. For those that prayed and said, God, I want you in my life. God, I believe in who you are. I believe that you rose from the grave. And God, I'm willing to to live it out. And God, I pray right now as we have this opportunity to respond to your word. That God, you would just allow us to worship you and praise you and celebrate you because the grave is empty. And that's why we're here today. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we ask this in your name. Amen.